from Los Angeles, California on the MTV Podcast Network. This is North Mollywood. I'm Alex Papadimus. Our guest today from MTV News, Leah Beckman on her own mic. Hey, woo! And sitting across the pond from me, the, the, the world's biggest Oasis fan. Boo. Wearing head to toe Oasis uh, anoraks and things like that. Boo, I'd be wearing Adidas. <laughs> Oasis <if> sweats. <laughs> Boo. Molly Lambert. Fuck Oasis. <laughs> okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. But first. <laughs> but first. A journey into Westworld. A journey into Westworld, which decided this week to get super problematic. It was like we were waiting for that that other boot to drop. And, and boy, did it ever. Got real silly. But first, but first, I wanted to share a San Junipero theory about the San Junipero episode of Black Mirror that we talked about last week. I have a theory about it I'd like to share with the class. And that theory is, what if this podcast room is San Junipero? (laughs) Because we all only see each other here once a week for like an hour. I mean, I saw you out there. No, you didn't. You <laughs> thought I, you did. I thought I did. But did you? So this is a reality. This is really a reality that I made. Yeah. Or like that one of us concocted. Are we all Are we all independent actors? Or are we like, uh, you know, how many of us are dead? We're all dead. All of us. Right? Whose dream is it? Uh, Mine. I'm the only person who hasn't seen this episode <laughs> in the world. So this this is definitely my dream. We're all in Leah's dream. <laughs> Leah dreams about a I, really rambling podcast every week. I can only assume that that's what that episode's about. Yeah. We're um, all in Where a everyone uh, has a happy ending and nothing bad happens to anybody. And that reality is exactly what is it seems. is what happens in that episode. Really? Yeah. It's the happy episode of Black oh, Mirror. Great. So all the like hardcore Black Mirror people are like, boo to No, everybody likes like. it. I don't know. I feel like I've seen did some you, people. Did you watch the first episode of the new season? No. Because I just did. And? Everyone should. Is it's, that a more traditionally Black yeah, Mirror-ish? It's Black Mirror. more traditionally Black Mirror-ish. It was written by Rashida Jones and Michael Shore. So it is what? a non-Charlie Brooker episode. And I was skeptical, and then I really liked it. It's like an episode about basically Instagram, Uber-type stuff, where everybody gets rated constantly by everyone around them. Everyone is, like, rating people. And if you drop below a certain number, you're, like, not allowed to go in certain buildings. And so it's about Bryce Dallas Howard, who... Oh, yeah, I've seen the, like... It's good. People have been posting memes from it that I didn't know what it meant. But Stuff like that always makes me super anxious and panicked, and then I'm, like, I vow to change my ways, and then I I do it for, like, one hour, and Mm -hmm. that's it. That's what Black Mirror does. Yes. <laughs> to change your ways in what way? What would be the things like, you would try to do better? I'm going to go into nature and I'm not going to look at my phone and I'm going to delete so- social media. Um, and I'm not a lunatic, so I never do that. <laughs> and <laughs> Or you are a yeah, lunatic, or, so you never do it. Mm-hmm. How are you going to post like all the cool stuff that you see in nature? Exactly. deleted those what things? What if you exactly. just see it and you can't post about it? What? I had this. I was telling you before. There was uh, my. I was watching TV and my phone had died and it was plugged in in another room. And I was like, "Oh man, there's glass bricks in James Woods' apartment in Videodrome, <laughs> and I can't tell Molly about it, and I, or I have to tell her about it when I see her next, rather than like immediately alerting her and twenty thousand other people." We all need the cameras in our eyes so we can just go like click. Aren't they making that? I feel like we're just that. That's. I feel like that's right. 
around the corner. Yeah. What does it feel like to know that that you started something that like like people are thinking about you at least once a day? Oh, with glass bricks. Yeah. Every time I see them, I just like your face comes into my. I like brain. it because it it means I'm like a virus. <laughs> yeah. That's what I like about glass bricks. I'm like a virus in people's brains now that they can't turn off. Every time they see a glass brick, they have to think think of me. Its own Black Mirror episode. Ooh, I'm going to get trapped inside a glass brick. <laughs> I now own two glass bricks, by the way. Therefore ruining what I was going to get you for Christmas. Spoiler, a glass brick. <laughs> I was going to get you a glass brick with the Oasis logo on it. Ooh. Well, speaking of things that you think of when you see somebody, <laughs> flawless. <laughs> this week's Westworld had a very timely scene related to an essay that friend of the podcast, Wesley Morris, wrote for the New York Times Magazine. Yeah, so Wesley's going to now be the, like, as you are with Glass Bricks, like, anytime anybody sees, uh, full frontal African-American male nudity on television, they will think of Wesley. Which happened for probably the first time ever on Westworld this week. And because we all just read Wesley's essay, I immediately tweeted at Wesley like, hey, Wesley, they showed a dick on Westworld and I thought of you. I didn't ask him about this because I didn't, I felt like just me being like, hey, how many people emailed you about the the dick on Westworld would still be me emailing about the dick on Westworld? When he tweeted about it, I got added. So I felt personally like maybe I was the first to tell him about it. You might have been. That timing was crazy though. It was like the next day or two days later or something after his, and it was, and that dick just filled the screen. (laughs) And that was what the essay also was about. It was like, they never show a dick. And if they do, it's always a white one. And if it's black, the conversation is always about how it's so big and emasculating to white men. And that's exactly what happened on Westworld. They <laughs> yeah. showed it. And then they had Shannon Woodward's character, who is a, a Westworld behind-the-scenes operator, say something really leering and and weird and gross about it, about like, gotta get you back and working so you can... It was like a real weird... It was weird. And fever. <laughs> yeah, and it would have been a great moment for that robot to come to life and strangle her to death, mm-hmm. but it didn't. Uh, and so there is a weird, just a weird subtext to this show that nobody can tell if it's on purpose or not. Yeah. We don't I mean, know how much we trust the operators of Westworld, much like the robots don't know how much they trust them. Are you talking about the operators of Westworld, the TV show about the operators Ooh. of Westworld? Ooh. How many layers? Where Even are I we? don't know. Where are we in the inception? Well, speaking of Westworld layers, <laughs> we brought on Leah Beckman this week to discuss some controversial Westworld theories. Well... I do also, though, want to say this thing about, like, the operators really drives me crazy because, like, if HBO is going to make, like, sh- like weird, intense, rapey, violent things, like, fucking just own it and make those and do that. But, like, this weird we're answering the bloggers thing that they keep doing on the show is driving me crazy. Like, just – they, I feel like they need to um, – 
like pretend like the internet doesn't exist. They really do need to do that. They need to pretend like they're in Westworld and that the internet doesn't exist because I've been watching Twin Peaks recently and I kept Great. thinking about how annoying the internet would have been if oh Twin Peaks had been oh, on horrible. at the time. I mean, it ruins everything. And how satisfying it is that you just can't get an answer out of Twin Peaks about anything. Yeah. And when shows creators, like I feel like the Game of Thrones dudes do this too, when they try to respond to the fan response, it's always a bad idea. It's always a bad idea, and it's, like, cloying when they do it. Like, this week, Dolores has her moment where she's like, I'm a woman, and women get shit done, or whatever. She's like, I'm not a damsel in distress. Yes. I got a gun now, and some pants. Oh, and did, then there's Did you just guys like, think that was on the nose? Oh. A little bit? <laughs> there was just this insane pregnant pause afterwards where I could feel every writer and producer and notes, yeah, like, leering at me like oh see we're in on it i was uh, trying to do the the, the ding wink yeah you know where she like <laughs> yeah. i can't do it on a podcast but it's like ding, like, like it turns to, yeah, like, turns yeah. to the camera like hey well she's the daenerys bloggers. right oh. of westworld where they're like it doesn't matter how many times she gets raped and humiliated because she's gonna burn everything down at the end which she should that's great but like can we not talk about it in this way yes. that makes me it just I, I I like to keep that all separate. They this went, is TV. They went to a town <laughs> called Pariah, which was... Oh, Pariah. <laughs> basically, like, they suddenly were in New Orleans Square. Part of Disneyland was how I saw it. It was like a lot of weird skeleton people. <laughs> I mean, would you like to... Uh, I, I, at this point, I feel like there's probably no one who's paying attention to the show who's not heard this. But I wish I hadn't. I just want to read it again. It is uh. the uh, co-executive producer, Richard J. Lewis a co-executive producer of Westworld talking about the creative process that led to the creation of, of Pariah. Uh, this is the, an actual quote. We wanted it to feel like a border town so that there's a Tex-Mex feel to it. We wanted it to land somewhere between an American culture and a Latino culture. We were inspired by Buenos Aires and the really beautiful grave sites there. There's a lot of <laughs> Spanish flavor to this. Credit to our great production designer, Zach Grobler, for that. You know, shout out, Zach Grobler. Uh, Not that we, great. We did a lot of research and felt there was a nice, almost Haitian feeling as well. Boo. The research that they did on the fictional town in the virtual reality that was, like, super rapey. So, of course, it is also <laughs> – wait, we played with various looks. We played with full body makeup. We played with an African flavor that felt more dot, dot, dot. There was an ideal of cannibalism we were messing with oh, for a there while. there it is. We landed in this border town Tex-Mex feeling. Don't say any of those things out loud if you have those thoughts, is we what thought, I would have said. We were trying to think of like what who would be in Rapeville, and we just figured it would be all various, all the brown cannibals. people. Cannibals. Yeah, cannibals and rapists would be there. It would be brown people culture there. And again, it's, I'm just like, I wow. don't, that doesn't sound wow. very self-aware, which no. kind of makes me doubt that the show is as self-aware as people would like for it to be. No, and it's wild. They just can't. They cannot get it together because they are are like having, you know, Dolores's moment and then they go and do shit like that. And it's just because like I've been defending it on the grounds that it is that this is a like that everyone who goes to Westworld is a bad person. And therefore you should not expect Westworld to represent like the values of our like what we think of as the good woke values of our time, because it's actually like whether or not there's a sort of G rated part of it where you can go hang out with your kids like Obviously, where the money is made is going and fucking killing the robots. That's right. what you pay forty thousand dollars to go there. Forty thousand dollars a day to go there for is to just do people be a know monster. that real human sex workers are much cheaper. 
than forty thousand dollars a day. <laughs> maybe not in the future and where Westworld probably takes right. place. Yeah, maybe not guilty. one of the theories. Well, somebody named Leah has okay. a theory to introduce this week that well, we have not heard. So this new to everybody. It's not. It's not new to anybody. I think actually, I just told. I know. I just it's told someone to else really excitedly, and, and he they was were like, like oh, "I knew." Yeah, of course. This theory, though, is so convincing that I'm pretty sure it's true, so it feels like a spoiler, that there are at least two timelines happening simultaneously, and that William is the man in, man in black. Is William and the he, white hat or yes, the black the hat? Yes, the white hat. And he is there, and that is happening in the past, but at the same time, the man, man in black thing is happening, and that is him like going black. But Anthony Hopkins doesn't age. Ah, uh, is Anthony Hopkins eat. a replicant? Well, of is himself? everybody a robot? But there are all if these. Everybody's now. a robot. I'm gonna be so pissed. No, you're not. You're gonna no, be everybody like everybody is not a robot. I definitely think duh. that that is real, especially because we already have learned a little bit that maybe um, those two like rich white guys are thinking about like investing in the park. So maybe the theory is that. Like, Logan probably dies. We can see that coming. And that William, like, takes over the company and saves Westworld because it's, like, floundering. And then it's the future and he's It's floundering because not enough people want to spend $40,000 a day (laughs) day. to go fuck some robots. Well, they haven't raised the price, apparently, from one year year to the next. It's still $40,000. It hasn't gone up. You know, the market will bear more. Why wouldn't they charge more? And my other theory is that it's in space. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I – like, do do you care that much about – solving the actual mystery, like trying to guess where it's going before it goes there. I think the fun part is before they solve it, which is why I want the show to tell me nothing back. Yes, I totally agree. And I've never felt this way. I've never done this with shows before. Like I never actively ever look for things. And like, I think also like with Game of Thrones, there are always those like assholes who had read all the books who knew all the theories. (laughs) But like this, nobody knows. Everyone's on the same level. So it's like, ooh. I've seen Westworld the movie. Oh, so you're Spoiler alert, the robots kill all the humans. <laughs> and every week I'm like, maybe this week, finally a robot's going to kill a human. And it's going to be so satisfying. And it never happens. It is really fun to watch you talk about Westworld on Twitter because you like it more than I think most people do at this point, or at least <laughs> in my immediate sort of Twitter circle. But you also, you are never far from being like, yeah, that was pretty cool, but I wish all the robots would kill all the humans. <laughs> Like Murder. You, know, you, are, sort of, you are a one-issue candidate. That, I am a one-issue candidate. That is the crux of Westworld, is that the robots turn on the humans, and in the movie, they solve this in about 70 minutes or something. And so this is a show that they obviously want to draw out for like eight seasons because it has to be the new Game of Thrones for HBO. It's their new flagship, and I have no fucking idea how they plan to draw out this process for eight seasons unless every week it's like the robots are like, huh, maybe we're being oppressed and exploited. We should do something. No, not this week. Next time. Well, maybe we'll one em. of them goes back to Earth because Dude. they're in space. Oh, there you go. <sighs> well, my other Westworld theory, which is more of a creator-based theory, and I've said this before, but I will say it until everyone agrees with me. <laughs> a good um, way to... Also, this is not a theory, just a comment, but I just found out that Westworld is all shot on film, and that is, like, the most insane thing I've ever heard. They're like, how could this be more expensive? Like, (laughs) how could we waste more money? Let's shoot it on film. Nobody will be able to tell the difference except the guy from Project Greenlight, who will be so mad. Oh, my God. But my theory is that there's only one Nolan brother. 
Oh. <laughs> Christopher Nolan and Jonathan Nolan are the same person. He's like a Simone. And that's why Jonathan Nolan is quote-unquote American. Oh. And Christopher Nolan is quote-unquote British. And that's why all of his movies are about split personalities. He's trying to tell us something. He's trying to tell us that he's got a split personality and that half of him is exactly like the other half of him except American. <laughs> what, a, what two boring personalities to have if you're split. I'm just like another white dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how I feel about every Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> I support this theory. I'm all in. Um, although if uh, anyone is turning off this podcast in anger... Don't look back at anger because uh, I also will say that there is one Christopher Nolan movie that I like. It's The Prestige. Wow. Which is the most steampunk of all of them um, because I'm just really interested in the conflict between showmanship and raw talent. Is, is that the one? Is Bowie in that one or is that the other one? Bowie is Nikola Tesla. Bowie, Bowie, yeah, that's the one. With that's Bowie the one that Nikola leans Tesla, full yeah. bore into like steampunk. Like this is just fucking steampunk and magic and magic. Another. I think that's what the common thread here. The through line is that you just you love your steampunk. I think I love steampunk. <laughs> I think I might be steampunk. It's not just goggles, you guys. Thanks for coming on North Mollywood, Leah. Thanks for having me, guys. I really love Westworld and I really love you. We love you too. Coming up next. We're going to delve into the Oasis documentary and prove once and for all that Oasis are terrible. Stay tuned. Alex, you watched a documentary about the band Oasis. Yes, did you? I did not. I figured. I figured that I was going to be the voice of the Oasis. I thought it'd be more fun for you to explain this, what happens in it to me in this room. I will gladly explain it to you. Um, What's it called? It's called Supersonic, which is kind of a generic name for an Oasis. Is that an Oasis song? Probably. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You know that song? No, I don't. You do not know that that is the first single by the rock band Oasis. Nope. Nothing. Nothing, nothing but Wonderwall. No, I do not believe that you're that cool. That even you, I'm are that really cool. cool. You're, I look, I know that, but I don't think it's like I, I'm just saying. There's things. I remember that, when they tried to break Oasis in America, and I was like, nope. Yeah, that's in the documentary, and they kind of sort, they kind of skim over. They gloss it. over it. They're like, and they continued to be the biggest band in the world. No, 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 no. It's great because they're basically they're like, you know, you're like they talk about how big America is. I think it's Noel or somebody's like, yeah. you know, no, it's fucking big, man. It's America. You try, you go there, and you think it's a good idea, and then you you come back, and he's like, and you come back, and your carpet looks different. As if, like, mold has grown in your home because it takes so long to get across America. Well, also, when you spill so much beer in your carpet, uh, mold does grow. probably that as well. Anyway, this is a fascinating movie. I'm ultimately, like, voting thumbs down on it only for one real reason, which is that I think the first two Oasis records are total classics, and then everything after that is, like, kind of a trash fire. But I really wanted an hour about their insane Coke record be here now that where the basically just like light, you just, it's the sound of like piles of money being lit on fire. And it's just, it's so crazy. And like, you want, you're just like, Oh, this is going to be good. There's going to be like a really great sort of downfall period part of this movie. Gloss over. They don't even, they stop. It literally, it starts with like, is a all told in flashback from the, uh, their show at Nebworth, 
uh, which is like the, at the time the biggest rock show in the history of England or whatever. Like it's just a gigantic, you know, triumphant whatever. And then they flash back to the beginnings. Like it's like, how did we get here? It's so crazy. And then it ends with net worth, which is like you just you, you want like the, the like there's a piece of this story that's missing, which is like that they are absolutely primed to take over the world. And then they absolutely do not. And you well, miss that. You know why they don't take over the world? I bet you're going to tell me that it's because they're not good. That is the reason. <laughs> That's the main reason. It's because they were marketed to us in America as like, they're like the new Beatles. They're so great. And then they're so lame and mediocre. And I never understood what people saw in them, except as a matter of like national pride for British people. Like, oh, they're great because they're from here. And so are we. Well, yeah, this is the weird part that they come out of this like of this moment when actually like British sort of pop culture and youth culture, especially music culture, is, has been there so were just changed. So many other good yeah. pop bands. Well, okay, but yeah, even before that though, there's like dance music is coming yes. in, and like hip hop and trip hop and all those things are happening, and it's very sort of like it's it's black and it's gay and it's like you know every other thing. Besides, like, white Englishmen in anoraks, like, not moving on stage and playing guitars. And, like, suddenly, like, there was this thing and it becomes, like, tied in with, like, new labor and everything. And, like, I'm, I'm going to – it's a very – I'm going to just uh, butcher the history a little bit. But like Name that is, all the queens in order. <laughs> all the <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Every British person can do that. I have learned all the members of Parliament at yeah. the time. But no, I mean it becomes a big thing because it's like you know Noel Gallagher is photographed shaking hands with Tony Blair, and it's like the beginning of like Cool Britannia, which is this movement. But it also sort of leaves out every other everybody who doesn't look like Noel Gallagher. Well, or I Tony love Blair. Cool Britannia because it totally worked on me, and it was obviously just like because I couldn't go there, I didn't know that England wasn't like much cooler than America, and that everybody in England thinks America is much cooler than England in the same way. But yeah, it also, it's just funny because it's like my mom, you know, was a big Beatles fan who saw Hard Day's Night like a hundred times the day it came out. And it worked on her too in the 60s that they were like, England, that's where all the cool stuff's happening. And then you realize later that it's like two people in England are doing cool stuff and most people are still just in England, <laughs> like being, drinking tea, yeah, be, I mean being depressed. Yeah, I mean, England as a country is the size of this room. Yeah, that's a, that's a fact. It is the size. It is this. It's ten feet wide. England. Somebody made a good argument to me about why Oasis are better than Blur that I had never thought about before. That made me, for the first time in history, consider why people might like Oasis better than Blur, even though Blur are clearly the superior group in every possible way. Which is that maybe that Blur are kind of posh, and you that Oasis are your working class lads yeah i mean i think that's the big thing that's the big like the, the oasis had a, there was a sort of a strivers thing they were for you know it's like the you know the council estates and whatever and like yeah. blur had that oasis like was like we're going to we're just we're going to make it and then we're going to sort of we're going to you know emblematize like rock stardom and right. blur was like we're going to be super uncomfortable with rock stardom and we're going to be changing our sound constantly because that's what you the smart they didn't consumer change their deserve. sound constantly they just were like the kinks they were like making really good funny smart intellectual rock music about really regional things 
I challenge you, though, to listen to the two, like when they had their chart war, you know, to listen to What's the Story, Morning Glory. Yeah, fuck that record. And the one with Country House on it. The is Blur the record best. with Country House on it. It's the Great the Escape. Best. The Great Escape is so bad. No, it's so good. What are you talking about? There's great things before and after that, and I no. love Blur, but like that uh-uh. record is just, they, 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 they did not show up. They uh. brought a, a like a, you know, an umbrella to a Here night fight. Here are some bands that are better than Oasis. <laughs> okay. From the same time period. I want to hear Cast and Reef. At the top of that list. <laughs> Anybody with one name, abstract, one syllable names. Blur, Supergrass, Pulp, Elastica. Sure. Pretty much any band from that era is better than Oasis. I'm not saying there's not better bands. There's many better bands. I would, like Sunra is better than Oasis too, but I'm saying like there is a I'm fascinating just saying, thing about from that them. era for them to be the flagship band of cool Britannia did not make Britannia seem very cool. No, well, but it worked though. No, it worked it didn't. like crazy it in England. It worked on like two people here, and they will never shut up about it. I feel like if you like, w- like to watch this movie, it like, worked on re- like Ryan Adams, and that's it. I, I look maybe. No, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, feel I like- also, you know, feel like maybe I was a little hard on them as a teen, just because they look like unfrozen caveman lawyers. <laughs> That's because they're unibrow. No, that's just like it's a also unibrow their faces. Slander. It's also the way that they, it's because they're so drunk all the time. They seem like they've just been unfrozen. There is a, yeah, there is a Neanderthalic quality. There's some amazing stuff in there about drug taking. Apparently, like before they played the whiskey. You just say drug taking? Fr- drug taking. That's so British. Drug, drug, ta- drug <laughs> around the pub, taking a, yeah, ra- taking the drugs in the toilets. We yeah. were taking cocaine. We took cocaine. He, ta- he says it, don't take drugs. <laughs> it's, uh, he was taking they were taking crystal meth for like 48 hours before they played the whiskey go-go for the first time it is a terrible show apparently there's a, like they talk about like he is doing lines off the monitor in the front of the stage and it, it sounds like three people in an oasis tribute band kind of playing together it's really really good um, you want more of that. I wish well, there had been more. I want like you know what I sequel. really would like a documentary about is the Primrose Hill set. Do you know about this? No. Okay, so Primrose Hill is like the fanciest neighborhood in London, I think, or it was in the 90s. It was where uh, all the rich people who became rich moved. And so there was like Jude Law and Sadie Frost and a bunch of other people in that social set. People in Britpop and people in fashion, Kate Moss, all those people. Like Damon and Justine? Yeah, Damon and Justine, all of your uh, cool Cool Britannia super couples. Uh, they were all into swinging. They were all into couple swapping. They all like went on holiday to Ibiza and like accidentally fucked each other's spouses and then came back and it was weird. But there was like a story. This is like a famous gossip story that I think people involved have confirmed happened that they had a crazy party at Jude Law and Sadie Frost's house where a baby ate ecstasy by mistake. <laughs> and that baby. That baby is Russell Brand. <laughs> no, that baby might be. Oh, that like, baby is Jude. Was apparently Jude Law's two-year-old daughter, according yeah. to the first oh, hit see? on Google. Allegedly, according to the Telegraph, which is the first hit on Google for this thing. I didn't. I wasn't there. This is like a famous British gossip story that Sadie Frost is like, yes, it did happen. Somebody left an ecstasy tablet on the floor and the baby was just crawling around and ate it and then tripped balls for an hour. And how would you know? Because it's like a baby. It's is a baby. How do like, you know? Baby's on ecstasy. Just, yeah. Just looking up at things anyway. Yeah. Going, ah, <laughs> which is exactly what it's like. Uh, yes. The two-year-old daughter of Jude Law and Sadie Frost. Uh, Iris Law. 
uh, she was attending a birthday party at the Soho House Club, a London venue popular with celebrities. Because <laughs> I like that this was from 2002 when they had to explain what Soho House was. They didn't explain why a baby would be having everything a party I know there. about the Groucho Club. I learned from the novel High Fidelity. I like the novel High Fidelity. Me too. If you're a baby who's taken ecstasy, uh, we want to hear from you uh, on Twitter. I guess I don't know where I'm going with this. I didn't have, I didn't have an ending for that. I if you're a baby a, who's taken ecstasy, probably you should call nine one one. Because I guess because I guess you're a real cosmopolitan baby, and you can also use a phone. Real babies roll early. <laughs> no, real babies come out of the womb rolling. They roll over, and then yeah. They probably do, though, because isn't there all that, like, DMT in your brain that gets passed on to the baby? Oh, is, yeah. Isn't that what it is? It, like, unlocks mm-hmm. something that's already there in your brain There's chemistry. another documentary called DMT, the Spirit Molecule that explains all of this. If you're a baby on DMT, <laughs> <laughs> this has been a DMT Networks podcast. This has the been the DMT. Joe Rogan Show. <laughs> I am a weird ball Joe Rogan. I look like the kingpin <laughs> now. Stop talking about weird balls on this show. <laughs> no, weird. He's bald. He's oh, bald headed. I he's thought a, you meant he's like bald, his he, weird balls. He looks like Brando in Apocalypse Now. Now, have you not he seen those billboards? Like you driving that. around and yeah, he's up there glowering at you. He's like, take like DMT, a baby on ecstasy. Like, I'm like, no, I'm driving. I don't want to. He's <laughs> like, I don't care. Is, is Open your t- mind up. <laughs> Crack it open like an egg, like my head looks like. It only takes like 30 seconds. It feels like a long time. Ayahuasca. That's exactly the opposite of a person I would want with me in mm-hmm. those conditions. On an ayahuasca experience? I, I, the, like, of shamans, I would like. That is the least. You don't want somebody yelling at you? <laughs> so to I want, feel it? Yeah. Feel it! <laughs> I would like Liam Gallagher. I would like Noel Gallagher. I think he's good. I think he'd be good at taking the taking the piss out of me when I started to talk about like my body being as big as the universe. He'd be like, oh, fuck off. Here's the one thing I'll say about Oasis. The one it. kind thing I will say about Oasis. Throw them a bone. Nobody takes the piss out of Oasis like the guys in Oasis. That is a really good point, and a lot of that happens in this movie. There is, there is a lot of that. Well, maybe I'll watch it if somebody traps me in a room and forces me to watch it. Maybe Joe Rogan will do that while Maybe. you guys are tripping balls. Yeah. Maybe when I accidentally take ecstasy at a party. <laughs> that baby was Molly Lambert. <laughs> and I grew up. And she's fine. Yeah. She's totally fine. Very successful. fine. Eh. We'll see you next week. Boy, howdy. She's <laughs> 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 fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> This episode of North Mollywood was produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, Kasia Mihailovic, and James T. Green for the MTV Podcast Network, with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts.